0: Welcome back to another edition of the allegedly award-nominated Outside the Box podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's episode number 205. KB and DJ coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into. We're going to recap last week's NLL action, get into the three games we have this week that involve four teams. Uh, We're going to get into... The first trade of 2022 in the PLL, we've got a Colin Squires Top 5, and we'll also give you the state of DJ's fandom, plus a PLL fan favorite player is back. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP at checkout. You get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. That's the sunglasses, the blue light glasses, hoodies, shirts. DJ, they're coming out with ski goggles soon. I don't know if you've seen that uh, on the social medias, but Tomahawk Snow is getting ready to launch. Uh, By the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be live on their website, I'm pretty sure. I think it drops January 21st. So Tomahawk Snow get ready for uh for ski season uh with tomahawk shades promo code usp at checkout for 25 percent off your entire order stateside urban craft vodka get the vodka soda party packs the Surfside iced teas at statesidevodka.com you got to be 21 or older to do so and of course please drink responsibly and of course the boys over at kenwood beer go to kenwoodbeer.com use the kenny tracker to see us kenwood beer on tap in the philadelphia area you must be 21 or older to do so and of course Please drink responsibly. DJ, what the hell's going on, brother?
1: Dog, I've just been working. (laughs) (laughs) I've just been working. I finally have lived up to becoming KB when I (laughs) No, not not, not quite yet. Not quite yet. I'm I'm close.
0: Instead of the, instead of I've been drinking, he's like, I've been working. I've been working. (laughs) That's our
1: lives. (laughs) All day, every day.
0: Uh, let's get into the NLL Week Seven recap. Last week, tons of uh, crazy shenanigans went down in the NLL. A lot of really good game, arguably like best week of just like competitive action in the NLL. We'll start with the first game that went down on Friday to accommodate for the Buffalo Bills absolutely shellacking the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bandits did their part for the the Bandits. Mafia, Bills Mafia conglomerate of fans. They beat the Georgia Swarm 12 to 10, the only game to have a multiple goal final score differential. Uh Buffalo came through, did their job, had you know, just a typical standard Buffalo Bandits game. Got out to an early lead and that was the game. Them winning the first quarter was the game because Georgia and Buffalo were even. In goal, scored the rest of this game. Josh Byrne uh, had two goals and five assists in this one. Uh, kind of a quiet game for Lyle Thompson. Odd to say. He had four points, but in terms of, of Lyle Thompson, that is a quiet game. Um, I mean, this was the Josh Byrne game. He did his thing. Uh, Tohoka had himself a game. He had four points in this one with a goal and three assists. Kluch had four points. But Josh Byrne leading the way with seven. Dane Smith had five points. Matt Vince continued to be Matt Vince. And, I mean, tough game. And, oddly enough, Georgia won the faceoff battle easily, 18 out of 26. But the biggest takeaway is Buffalo wins the power play battle. They go two for four on the power play. Georgia went 0 for three, and that's really your game there is not being able to capitalize with man-up situations and, Buffalo is now four and zero, top of the East Division. Georgia drops down to one and three and are now in seventh in the East Division.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it was that hot start that really won the game. Like I, you know, I really like the way Mike Poolin bounced back. I really like Mike Poolin and one in general, just the way he plays. Phenomenal goalie, but the the way he started wasn't really on par with how he's played. They were able to get I think it was three or four, you know, right away on him. And that kind of just took things, you know, out of hand for Georgia. That was kind of too much at that point. You give, you know, obviously, no lead is really safe in the NLL. But you give the Bandits a four-goal lead, it's gonna be hard to come back and win the game. So it really was more of his play at the beginning. He wasn't getting much help from his defense either. I mean, we've said that throughout the throughout the year so far. This defense hasn't been great. So you take away the the rough start at the beginning, and Georgia might win this game in overtime.
0: How thrilled are you that last week you knocked Georgia out of your fandom race? I mean, they now sit at 1-3 and three in 7th place in the East Division only in front of the Riptide by one game and that's their one win of the year is against the New York Riptide.
1: Yeah, it's not my uh, not really my forte to pick a losing team. But <laughs> I, I'm dealing with enough of that with uh, the Tigers and the Red Wings and their rebuild right now. So I'm I'm actually quite thrilled I don't have to deal with a team that's pretty much in another rebuild state. I can't deal with that
0: right now. And we'll get into Georgia later on as they play this weekend as well, but we'll get into the next game that you and I also picked correctly. San Diego Seals come away with a one-goal win against the Saskatchewan Rush. A little bit of a nail-biter uh, with that game going down, you know, to another one-goal game. Um Saskatchewan putting up six goals in that third quarter was huge for them to stay in this one. Austin Stotz had himself a game uh, with six points in this one. He scored the ultimate game-winning goal as well. Um, But, I mean, overall, again, the face-offs in this game pretty even. Saskatchewan won it by two face-offs. But San Diego going three for four on the power play was huge. And Saskatchewan walked away two for four on the power play, and that's your your winner there. And now San Diego's four and one, top of the West Division in first place. Saskatchewan now one and four; they are in fifth place. And we saw a number of tweets on the timeline talking about don't count Saskatchewan out now. Like they're on a roll, even after that loss to Albany, people were still pumping the tires of Saskatchewan. I we've said it time and time again, and I even said it probably before you did. I don't know how you can like think Saskatchewan's going to win games when they haven't been able to prove it to you at all this season. They have one win this year and it was a convincing win, but outside of that, for them to be 1 and 4 through 5 games this year, it's tough to, you know, build upon that and tough to like climb out of that hole that you've dug yourself into in a West Division that's featuring San Diego at 4 and 1. Who now has a game in hand over you? Colorado's been fantastic this year for the most part. You have a, a surging Vancouver team that is like on the up and up. And then you have Panther City out there who just got their first win, which we'll talk about later on. And who, am else, who else am I forgetting in the wet? Calgary. So, I mean. It's a tough West division to go out there and try to win, and being 1-4 and four at this point in the season does not bode well for Saskatchewan, no matter how good they have been in the past, no matter how good their roster is. I don't even think you can go out and make a trade like their GM wants to do and fix this team overnight. There's a lot of issues with this offense, a lot of slow starts for Saskatchewan that have really put them behind the eight ball. And you never want to like have a punt year, DJ, in any sport. But I think Saskatchewan's gotta start like assessing what they wanna do at this point in the season, if they wanna like trade pieces off, get draft picks and that kind of situation, or do they think they are one piece away from turning the tides and, and trying to figure out a way to get and sneak into the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I don't know what they think they have to do, but I think they should do it quickly. Like <laughs> tomorrow kind of thing, you know, like at least start putting it in the works if it isn't already. Because I mean, one in one in four, or one in five, whatever they are. And one in four. One in four in that West is not one, not a place you want to be. And
0: two, it's
1: it, the fans are starting to sound like delusional Lions fans who think that every game is a possible win because they lose by three. Like mm-hmm. we can look at the games, you know, the Rush of loss. It's all one, two three goal games like all right there where you can look be like oh if they did this this and this different they win like that's every lions game ever like but that doesn't mean you're going to actually go out and win like they're not right they haven't done anything not only to prove to everyone else but to prove to themselves that they're capable of winning games they put themselves in a situation and then they never uh execute they never execute what they need to
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, from a San Diego perspective, they're just a wagon like we predicted them to be. Uh, But they're not that much of a wagon because they still don't follow us on Twitter. Um, So I can't give them too much credit, but they are a wagon. They're very good. They're very talented. And uh, they're just going to continue to roll, in my opinion. And uh, they get a nice little bye week this week. Uh, But one team that we're about to talk about does not get a bye week. They have two games this weekend. And they got robbed. Last weekend at the Wells Fargo Center, in my opinion, uh, the Philadelphia Wings, the Albany Firewolves, the Firewolves win 9-8. to And DJ, I gotta say this, watching the Firewolves in person, they play the most irritating form of lacrosse I've ever seen in my entire life. Paul Day brought it up in the press conference, like the style of defense, they or the like, setup they play, it's like a 2-1-2 defense almost. It is disgusting. It is like death by a thousand cuts. I don't know how you have fun playing in that system. It is gross. It is. I. I would. I would pull my hair out. It is. I hated watching every second of it. It is so frustrating, and I need somebody to figure out a blue a blueprint to like unlock the, the freaking clue to to beating that defense because. I, I can't stand watching these low-scoring Albany Firewolves games anymore. It's too ridiculous. Like, they all their games they've won this year, I think the most goals they've scored is 10 goals. Like, get it together, Albany. Figure out your offense. Put up points and stop playing, like, ridiculous defense. Like, it's like freaking the 1985 Bears. Uh, but this is the most controversial game because the Wings had a goal. Looked like it went in. Ben McIntosh told Paul Day to challenge it. Um The league tweeted out a gif of the goal. It looks like it crossed the line. The goal gets disallowed, and the Wings lose by one. It's a tough game, um, but for the Wings, I think it it was like, and Paul Day said this after the game, too, that he thinks it's like a good loss for them um, to kind of just get it out of the way and you know figure out things that they need to work on in terms of just beating teams like this. And you have two games this weekend for the wings and if you win both of them, five and two, I think, would be their record if they win. Yeah. Five and two looks a lot better than four and three, or you know, if they drop both three and four. Um so I mean if you can win both, it kinda like evens out where you sit right now at three and two and in fourth place in the East Division, you bump up two wins, you get right back to the top of the table pretty much where we both think the wings belong in the East.
1: Well, first as far as that defense i mean that's extremely easy to beat like i i don't understand what's taking teams so long it,
0: and albany's like the only one playing
1: yeah one plot plot a guy inside have a move around consistently see what that does see you know what kind of movement that gets if it doesn't do too much you put another guy in there one guy can't guard two so it's right. gonna have to make their defense move and it's gonna change everything that they're doing like that that's very simple and even with the one guy in there, you just you attack the uh, you attack the gaps, you force them to close on you, and you you move it like it's that's so simple. I don't understand why that hasn't been beat yet. And their offense confuses me. Like they play really so, so it,
0: it, they like they move so fast, like they move with the speed of Panther City, but they just don't take shots. It's Not, so yeah. it's so weird. Like they play ball control almost, where it's like we're just gonna run up and down the floor. And just launch the ball wherever we want to launch it. If it goes in, great. If not, like, cool, we killed more time and had time of possession. Like, it drove me nuts watching that game in the press box.
1: Yeah, but if they're hitting shots, you're hitting shots. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, Cause I don't even know what they, watch. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, when they get the ball, I'm just like, okay. And... Like, they
0: scored nine goals and had 56 shots on goal.
1: Did they really though?
0: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> At least according to the official like stat sheet, right. the official box score claims they had 56 shots on goal and they scored 9 goals.
1: Right, but were they actually like shots? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's,
0: it's My biggest takeaway classified. from this too is that Albany scored two power play goals. The wings went 0 for 2 on the power play, and for the first time all season Trevor Baptiste lost a faceoff battle. Nards beat him 14 to 7. So when you're not getting possessions, the team you're playing against is playing possession ball, it's t- and the Wings got shut out for the first time all year in the first quarter. Because across the the rest of the game, it was even in the second quarter, even in the third quarter, and the Wings won the fourth quarter by one. So, I mean, if you score in that first quarter, and that's something that's been concerning me with the Wings, too, is like they've gotten off to not slow starts, but low scoring starts in the first quarter. And then that's why they've had to play catch-up throughout all of these games and why they've played two over, overtime games at home. And they need to figure out that first quarter start and get off to quicker starts because they're too talented goal-scoring-wise to not be putting up points early on in games.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a problem when they start running into you know good competition, especially when it gets late into the year. If you can't you know score in the first quarter, you're going to look up and be down six, seven, eight goals going into the second, and that team's not slowing down.
0: And when you have Zach Higgins in net, and he's only given up nine goals, you should win that game, like, easily. And just didn't happen. Uh, But hopefully they just kind of, like, brush this one off, go into this weekend with two games and figure it out. Albany's now 2-2, two two wins in a row for the Firewolves. Um, They sit at fifth place in the East. The Wings are in fourth place. But the Wings got to figure out quicker starts. That's my biggest concern with them after watching them in person for a couple games now. For a lot of games now, I should say, at home. All the games but one, the one that was in Toronto. Um, they got to get off to quicker starts because they're way too talented to not be scoring like at least three or four goals in the first quarter consistently. Uh, let's get into the game with no fans. Due to protocol in Hamilton, Ontario, the Halifax Thunderbirds play their first game and over a month against the Toronto Rock, they win this one 14-13 over the home team uh, and get that game-winning goal in overtime. Uh, very good face-off matchup with TD and with Jake Withers. Jake Withers edges him out 16-15. to Toronto had 65 shots on goal in this game. They were peppering Warren Hill. Um, they were... They were very consistent in this game. I thought this was a very well-played matchup. Challen Rogers had nine points in this one. Austin Shanks, first game back. Shout-out to Shanksy, Five goals, three assists. Uh, and, I mean, Toronto goes three for... Like, if you looked at the box score of this game without the final score and looked at all the stats, looked at everybody who scored in there, you would think Toronto won this game. 65 shots on goal, winning close to almost... like almost half the face-offs, three for five on the power play, as opposed to Halifax getting 48 shots on goal, 16 of the 31 face-offs won, and 0 for three on the power play, you would think Toronto won this game by at least two scores because of possessions, because of the amount of like shot differential. Um, I thought this was a really well-played game. I really want to go back and watch this kind of like frame by frame. Shout out to the boy. Ryan Terafanko made his debut in this one, had his first two points in the NLL. Uh, How do we feel about Terry? We're number eight in the NLL, by the way. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports team's Go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where Streamer Season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP, breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I don't hate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really opposed. Like,
0: It's not terrible. It could be worse.
1: It, it literally could be
0: He's what? what, thirty-four with chrome? Yes. Which is also isn't bad for his put, position.
1: He could have put sticks on it, so <laughs> I'm I'm chilling. <laughs> uh
0: I mean, this game was defined by Austin Shanks doing the damn thing. Like what a performance in his first game back. Eight points, led the team. Clark Peterson had six assists in this game. We say it time and time again, Clark Peterson's so freaking underrated. Um Zach Manns had himself a game in this one for Toronto with seven points. Dan Craig had seven points. Uh, You know, and I mean, all of this for Toronto as well, with Tom Schreiber only having three points. You know, Tom really wasn't a a full-blown factor in this one. Uh, He did score, had two assists, but, like, it wasn't a a wild game for Tom Schreiber with his new dad's strength. Shout out to the Schreiber's. Um, But, I mean, they pulled Nick Rose early in this game. Halichuk comes in, has a phenomenal game, only allows eight goals, had 27 saves and 51 minutes played. I mean, overall, if you're Toronto, you can't be too down about this game. You just got to be able to kind of learn from the mistakes and, and really be able to finish in regulation um, and just get off to a quicker start. Because I mean, you you fought back, but in that first quarter, you only scored two goals, and you got to be able to put more of those shots. To have sixty five shots, you got to be able to put more of those in the back of the net with the shooters that they have. Overall, I think this was the best game of the weekend, though.
1: No, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching this game. I mean, obviously, I did not like how close it was because <laughs> you know I was I was losing, especially in the fourth quarter. It's kind of going back and forth. Every team, you know, both teams having. Uh, phenomenal opportunities. I mean, shots on net, that I was like, oh, that's a goal. Both, of, I mean, getting robbed consistently, like, it was very exciting to watch. And then, you know, it goes to overtime, and I'm like, awesome. Like, my heart was literally beating out of my chest. And I'm like, I'm literally sitting there waiting to text you, like, who won this game? Because it was either going to be a, oh, my God, I can't believe that you really picked Toronto and they won, because I feel like this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> or... I told you, I told you, Halifax was gonna win because they're good. And Stephen LeBlanc came and saved the day. I mean, he literally he goes, I, "I'm just happy it went in." You too, literally. That's like <laughs> all I could think was.
0: And all I gotta say is, too, look what happens when you follow OTB on Twitter. Halifax wins. Toronto doesn't follow us. They lose. I can't be too mad. I can't be too mad. Uh, there was one more overtime game that went my way uh, in this in this past week. Uh, and that was Panther City and the New York Riptide uh, on Long Island. Panther City wins this one in overtime, 13-12. to 12. We said it before we started recording. We're so happy we put Patrick Dodds on our Rookie of the Year ballot in our uh, preseason po- uh, podcast. He is a bona fide stud. That kid is so much fun to watch. He just, he's so smooth with it. Um... He's going to be the face of this franchise. I I feel comfortable saying Patrick Dodds is going to be the face of Panther City Lacrosse Club for the next decade. He's that good.
1: I mean, I I have no objection. I mean, he's played phenomenal this year, especially now that uh, he's gotten a few games without uh, Ryan Banesh being there, moving on to Albany, and he's been able to kind of step into the limelight and be that main focus. Like, he's soaked it all up. And it seemed like he was ready kind of like – he would, It kind of seemed like he went into the office like, "Yo, trade Ryan Banesh, I'm ready." Like, like that was the plan the whole time. Like, unlock my
0: powers. Go.
1: <laughs> I'm ready now. Like, it's, it's this good. isn't even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you can let him go. I'm good. I got this. And, and he's taking off. So I'm, I'm excited to see what else he does. Not only this year, but you know, the coming years. At least the next, you know, two, three, four. He's gonna be there. At least I don't. I'm sure he'll get an extension because I don't see him slowing down anytime
0: soon. We also got the Orly Bowl in this one with the Orlemans facing off against each other for the first time in their careers. Uh, and, I mean, the Riptide, this is something that, you know, when I was at the game a couple weeks ago, they they talked about it. Uh, Kieran McArdle and Callum Crawford both said, we got to learn how to finish games. And, they you know, it, it took them until the fourth quarter to really get going. They scored three in the first, got shut out in the second three in the third, and then they went on a goal-scoring streak to force overtime with six goals in the fourth quarter. But the consistency across the board wasn't there. You get shut out in that second quarter, and that ultimately, like, you know, opposes you from winning in regulation, and it forces overtime. Face-off matchup was pretty even in this one, and Panther City went 0 for 5 on the power play in this game and still was able to pull out this win. New York went 2 for 3. Uh uh Jeff Teat was back in the lineup, which was great to see, had a hat trick and two assists. And I mean, Connor Kiernan is having himself a year with the riptide as well. Five goals, two assists in this game to kind of lead the way uh for the riptide in goals. Uh tied with Callum Crawford for points. Callum had seven assists in this game. Uh Jeff Teat with the five points as well. The Riptide are like scratching the surface. Like they are like itching to break through. It's like, it's right there. I just don't know what it's going to take for them to like get that first win and push them over the edge. It's like, it's right there for the taking. They just need like Connor Kiernan's done a great job stepping up. Larson sundown is a a very nice complimentary piece when everybody's like healthy in the lineup. Uh, Same thing with, you know, Kieran McArdle, like he's there to move the ball around, be, you know, a facilitator, I feel like they're just missing that one more big piece to go with Callum Crawford and Jeff T in terms of like full-fledged, like, I'm a shooter, I'm a scorer. I feel like they're missing that piece, and I feel like it's supposed to be Tyson Gibson, but it feels like with this coaching staff and the way they're running the offense, Tyson doesn't get enough burn.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree that Tyson doesn't. I don't think the ball is going to stick enough.
0: He had one assist in this game.
1: Yeah, like not even just one assist. Just let him let him shoot it more. Let him gain some confidence. Just call the play, call his number. Even if he doesn't get a shot off, he gets the pass off. You know, like give him the the opportunity to know that like he's a a very viable option that they wanna go through from time to time. So that when it is called and he's ready to go and it's it's seamless. That kind of thing. And I mean this game it was a lot of fun to watch, honestly. I mean the back and forth. Because any time you play Panther City, as much as you want to try and slow them down, I just don't think they make it possible. Like they've every game they played in has been a literal track meet, just back and yeah. forth, back and forth. And so that was fun to watch, and you know the Orleman brothers doing their thing against each other. It's got my heart ripped out watching <laughs> Calvin Crawford step on the very edge of the crease.
0: Not the first time so, he's done that. Literally
1: the very edge of the crease. Like
0: very, he got away with one. When he was still with New England against the Wings because at the old New England Black Wolves arena, I don't know if you know this, they didn't have an overhead camera at Mohegan Sun. Mm. So they couldn't review the goal to see the overhead angle when he clearly stepped in the crease, but they allowed the goal and it was a game winner against the Wings. That's
1: tough. I
0: was salty. Cause I mean,
1: he he reminded me of, like KD stepping on the three point line, yeah. like it was that close. Why
0: your toes so long? Yeah, no,
1: for real, like back your toes up just a little bit, bro. Like, just cut your, cut your toenails today, bro.
0: <laughs> get a pedicure real quick.
1: Just just real quick, bro. Like, wake up, get breakfast, and go get a pedicure before the game, so that you're not stepping on the line. Like, but I mean, I. It still was a great game. It was nice to see Panda City get their first win. I mean, mm-hmm. Now, you know, I don't I don't feel – I guess I, I can't say I won't feel bad because like, I wouldn't feel bad before. I just don't – I have a little more confidence picking them to win another game now.
0: Right. You know, now think, that, that that hurdle has been yeah, leapt over.
1: They got over the hump and then they have confidence to build off of. They're not using just moral victories anymore. They're right. using legit victories. They can go back and look at that game and say – we did this, this, and this right. We did this, this, and this wrong, and this is how we went again. But it, I like that.
0: So this is what the standings look like, DJ, after week seven. Uh, and, yes, it's week seven, and there's a random assortment of games being played for each team. But the East Division, Buffalo's up top at 4-0. Halifax is 3-0 and uh, in second place just by number of games played. Uh, Rochester's in third place at 2-1. and the Wings are in fourth place at three and two Albany in fifth place at two and two Toronto in sixth place at two and three Georgia at one and three in seventh place. And the New York riptide at the basement. zero oh and four in the East division. And then the West division, the San Diego seals up top at four and one Colorado sits in second place at three and one Vancouver sits in third place at two and two the Calgary Roughnecks are in fourth place at one and two. Saskatchewan, one and four, and then Panther City also at one and four. The get in the whole podcast, hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly, a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Which brings us to the state of the fandom. DJ, search for a favorite NLL team after this past week, which we both said, arguably, best week of the season so far in terms of just action, competition. Has anybody joined the Georgia Swarm on the bench and not being your favorite NLL team?
1: Um, You know... The rush almost did. Their their Twitter banter today really saved them. I I will say that their, their, their they they hit a buzzer beater today. real quick. No, nah, for real, like they <laughs> you know how like you see in the cartoons, somebody's about to hit the red button that they shouldn't hit. Somebody like smacks their hand, like they smacked the hand today. Like they, they they hit me right before the trigger button. Like, and, but other than that, I, I don't think so. I think. I think everybody's kind of still in the
0: running. Everybody's safe after week seven. So we'll see how week eight turns out uh, with not too many games going on in week eight. um, But we do have three matchups. There was one postponed game, which is unfortunate because it was going to be a battle for the first place in the East between Buffalo and Halifax. uh, But that game has been postponed. Uh, But we do have three games, and that is going to bring us to the NLL Week 8 Picks of the Week, powered by our friends at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com now. Start building your fan profile by placing prop bets on the hottest headlines in sports. It's free to play. Anybody can play. You build up that fan profile by, you know, playing the props. You earn points on your fan profile. You cash them in for prizes on the Pickup Marketplace. Go to playpickup.com now. Start playing those headlines. DJ, DJ three games on the docket this week in the NLL for Week 8. We start Friday night lacrosse 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The Georgia Swarm travel to Rochester to take on the Nighthawks. Holden Katoni revenge game once again as he plays against his former team uh, in the Georgia Swarm. Nighthawks at home. How do you feel about this matchup? Uh, We didn't preface this earlier
1: when we talked about Georgia... Right, um, They have put a third of their team on the COVID list. <laughs> yeah, so um, Georgia,
0: as of January 19th, placed Shane Jackson, Vaughn Harris, Ethan Riggs, Craig Wendy, Tanner Buck, and Lina Hruska on the COVID list. They did activate Chad Tutton, Travis Longboat, Ethan Walker, Brian Cole from the COVID list, and they signed Reese Eddy, Oakley Thomas, Bradley Voigt, a.k.a. Bubba Voight for all the college lacrosse fans out there, from Syracuse, and Lucas Coote to the active roster. Um, and they have removed the play- practice player tag on Aiden Walsh, Russ Oaks, and Thomas Semple. Uh, so a lot of roster movement for Georgia, but I think the big news, obviously, is all those big-name players uh, being placed on the COVID list, headlined by Shane Jackson.
1: Yeah, I, that one scares me because, I mean, they weren't. Already doing well, especially defensively. they lost some guys that did things here and there for them defensively, so that's a red flag. Um, I do like to hear Travis Longboat getting activated.
0: My my let me ride guy. the boat.
1: <laughs> my all name guys have just have been ball. Shout out Patrick Shumate as well. So you know that's good to see. But I got I got Rochester taking this one. I think they have just enough offensively, especially with the guys being out. Uh, to take care of business I guess. But they're going to, they're going to, defense going to have to
0: show up and play because if Lyle's not going to back down. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking Rochester as well. Um, like you said, I think their offense is there. I like the way their defense is played. Um, we got to give the the OTB back of the bird bump, too, to our guy, Paul Dawson. Um, but I mean, I think the X factor in this game is. For Georgia, with Shane Jackson out, you really need to see Brandon Bomberry step up and kind of be that number two option with Lyle, which I think could happen. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to have enough firepower up top with all these guys out and then enough on the back end in front of Mike Poulin, uh, to shut down a very potent Rochester offense that we've seen pop off time and time again uh, You know, in big situations. And you have Sean Evans out there. You have Thomas Hogarth, Cotone, like there's a number of guys out there for Rochester, Ryan Smith, Charlie Bertrand. Like they have guys out there putting up numbers, so I think Rochester uh, comes away with a big home win over the Georgia Swarm and uh, continues to stay, you know, near the top of the table in the East Division. Um, so moving on to Saturday night, uh, which is another game. I will be at in Philadelphia, the Wings hosting the Rochester Nighthawks for the first time since that big brawl. Uh, back in 2020, probably pretty close to the anniversary of that game. I'm actually going to look that up right now uh, to see when that game actually happened because it's eerily close to when the Wings and Rochester Nighthawks had over 100 penalty minutes in that matchup. Uh, DJ, the Rochester Nighthawks, though, and the Philadelphia Wings, Rochester playing on a a back-to-back home road situation less than 24 hours Turnaround time for them. How you feeling about this one uh, Saturday night in Philadelphia?
1: You know, I told you before I was worried more about Philadelphia possibly splitting this weekend, um, just because you know them playing back to back and with the way the last game went, you didn't necessarily know how they're going to take it. Um, but I definitely have Rochester split this weekend. I think that Philadelphia will take care of business. One, they don't like how close the game was against Albany. Um, Trevor Baptiste going to have a field day uh, taking face-offs. I mean, I don't think he's going to take a time with losing. And not only losing, he got doubled up. To be honest. You know, nobody really,
0: nobody pays attention
1: more to his two categories than face Yeah, Every face-off guy I know, after every game, the first thing they do is go and look at their face-off percentage, how many wins they got and how many ground balls they got. Those yep. are the first three things they look at immediately. So he, he's going to come out ready to play I think the offense is going to fire some shots. I got the Wings
0: care like of really I got the Wings winning this one too. And DJ, oddly enough, that hundred-plus penalty minute game happened a year ago yesterday, as as we record the or two years ago yesterday, as we record this, January nineteenth, twenty twenty. That game went down Sunday night at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, it was an absolute doozy. I'll never forget that game. Um, but yeah. Same week, two years later, these two teams are meeting up at the Wells Fargo Center for another big-time matchup. I like the Wings in this one. I think Rochester playing on that back-to-back, having to travel is tough. uh, Less than 24 hours turnaround time is tough. And I think the Wings have a sour taste in their mouth after that Albany game. And they're going to want to you know, right the ship and go out and get a big-time win in the east division and win these east division games to you know continue climbing up uh you know the standings in the east so i got the wings as well and then we move on to sunday another game at the wells fargo center the philadelphia wings hosting the new york riptide for the second time this season this time we'll be with jeff teat for the riptide Uh, he did not play in that first matchup earlier in the year Uh, but the riptide looking for their first win the wings on a back-to-back both at home which i think is a benefit for the wings where they don't have to travel and i like that that it's a later start too in terms of you know team playing back to back uh you know it's not like a seven o'clock game on saturday and then a noon start on sunday it is a 4 p.m start uh for this riptide wings game i think the wings like i said they're going to want to write this ship after that loss to albany they want to rack up wins in the east division they hate the New York Riptide, uh, and they want to continue, you know, pouncing and bullying like the little brother in the East Division. I think the Wings come away with a two-win weekend, improve their record to 5-2, and two, and feel much better than they did after that loss against Albany where they sit in the standings and, you know, wins in hand against East Division opponents. Oh, my God. It's
1: such a tough game. Shoot, um. As I told you before we recorded, like, I have an extremely tough time right now too, going against New York. Like, I don't know what it is about the riptide right now, but I just I think they have it every game. Like, I, I don't know why, but I think they have You're it scratching that every single game. And it's just like, I, I, I'm worried about Philadelphia playing back-to-back. Granted, you know, that first game that Saturday game is at 7 I believe mm-hmm. and their next game's at 4 so they have almost 24 hours this is New York's only game of the week and they also tough game last week and I'm gonna go with New York off of one of those Michigan State little brother kind of things like I'm tired of getting beat up. I lost a tough game last week. You know, we can roll in after, you know, you're feeling a little tired and beat up. And I think Rochester's gonna kill the game as well, so I think they're gonna play a tough game and have to turn around and play New York. Who plays hard in general. So I think New York might be able to squeeze them out
0: It would pain me to, to see that as a known Wings fan. Uh, I do love and respect the Riptide, but you know when it comes down to it, i got to root for the team that came first, and that's the Backyard Squad. Um, but I think that both of those games are going to be a lot of fun. So to recap, DJ and I both have Rochester taking down the Swarm. We both have the Wings taking down Rochester. I have the Wings winning on Sunday as well. DJ has the Riptide. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But those are our Week 8 NLL Picks of the Week, powered by... The boys, the homies over at Pickup. Go to playpickup.com now. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. TJ, it's been a hot minute since we've had one of these. I think the last one was right before Christmas or right after Christmas. Um, yeah, it was Christmas Eve when we recorded. But we have officially dubbed our top five lists. They are named after the boy, Colin Squires. So we have a Colin Squires top five and it is something that's circulating on the lacrosse Twitter sphere. Shout out to Diggs Tape, too. Very inspired by Diggs' Twitter feed as of the last week or so. Uh, we're going go to go the Colin Squires top five college lacrosse buckets. The lids have been flying through with preseason pictures. So we're going to go our top five college lacrosse buckets that we've seen on the timeline so far. This is as of this recording of this podcast on January 20th. We haven't seen a lot of them, but we've seen a, a decent amount. And I think we have a good number of uh, of lids that we can take a look at and kind of gauge. Obviously, DJ and I are more than likely going to have some of the same ones on our list. Um, but that's okay. That's what makes this fun. And uh, DJ, I will look at the list here and see who got the first pick last time.
1: I think I
0: did. Yes you did. So I get to go first for this one. It's tough, but DJ, you know I love you know I love a good blackout. I got to go with those Maryland lids. The Maryland <laughs> blackout bucket is so clean. I don't care what anybody says. That thing is a work of art. It's a masterpiece. Uh, when they wear the, if they wear the red jerseys with those blackout helmets, good grief. And even with the black jerseys, the mat looks amazing. I'm taking the Maryland blackout helmet. Number one.
1: You about to, you about to get our whole list canceled off of it. (laughs) You're going to read the first first one and be like, eh. (coughs) This ain't it. <laughs> We're not even gonna look at the rest, <laughs>
0: like, man, bro.
1: Uh, I'm upset that some of these he did are not colleges.
0: Agreed. It's very confusing.
1: Fire. Some of them are fire. Um, I honestly think my number one shout out to my boy Andrew Dehan, who actually got me into lacrosse. He's one of my bestest friends. He got me going into playing and all of that back in high school. Um he ended up going here and they, they asked him to play he was like nah, like i don't want to play anymore <laughs> but uh high point like i, I think god damn it god were, damn it or are fire like the the gray with the the slight black or i'm sorry it's the base black with the slight gray and then the purple face mask and then the details <sighs> like it,
0: that was going <laughs> to be my next pick
1: and i mean it doesn't matter whether they wear white black gray purple those Buckets would go with they're every so clean one
0: they're so days. clean, and I hate that you took that number one for yourself, ah <laughs> uh, God damn it, God damn it um, all right, so number two for me uh, I just saw a new one pop up too, but I don't know if I want to take that yet. Number two for me, it's gonna be a fun one. I don't know if you saw this one or not. I'm taking the Arkansas lids. Those things caught my eye, and I'm not normally a fan of, like, white uniforms, white jerseys and all that, but the the fact that they have the face on the top of the helmet caught my eye as just unique. It's intimidating. I really like those, so I'm taking the Arkansas Johns because well done by the University of Arkansas. Uh,
1: just irritating,
0: bro. Just a a beautiful helmet i love it a lot
1: you were just irritating bro (laughs) (laughs) you're just irritating it's okay because i had another one on doc that was literally like the exact they literally had pretty much the exact same concept um the arizona or the arkansas ones are absolutely fire um also make sec schools d1 let's get rid of this whole let's just get rid of the whole mcla let's just go d1 with all of it go big um but uh richmond Richmond has pretty much the same Fuck idea. you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they got the white. God the, damn it.
1: The spider on the top. And
0: I love the, those. The
1: other decals. Like, I've always like, because it, it matches their field, too. They have that heat It's spider so nice. In the middle of their field, I just think it looks so well. It's well played with the spider. You know, obviously, Spider-Man vibes. Like I, I just like the idea of the spider being at the top. It's well, very well done.
0: They're clean. Big fan. Um, Richmond did a, a really good job. With their helmets and the pictures they took to increased tenfold um so my next pick number three let me close out richmond here um i'm like deciding between two they're eerily similar in a sense so i don't know if i end up, i'm gonna end up taking both but i want to just assess and make sure that i am like, all in on these ones. Um, man. You know what? I'm gonna go with the flare, the little razzle-dazzle. Uh, Give me Pitt Men's Lacrosse yellow helmet. I like the yellow more so than that full-blown blue.
1: Oh, why do you I- do this? <laughs> Why do
0: you do this i'm a big fan of the yellow um with the blue script the blue stripe going across the top the mask being you know white on the cage and everything big fan those those helmets look really clean big fan of the pit yellows panther up if you will dj you're number three
1: wow that just that, that made me very upset <laughs> um Honestly, though, number three, the University of California Santa Barbara Gauchos. God damn it. <laughs> Those were so fired. They are like,
0: so... Cl- that, that was the one I was determining between Pitt and that one.
1: It's, it's just the, the way that they use the color to accent off the white is... They just had the, they added the perfect amount of color i did like the way Diggs added like the yellow chin strap was a little much mm-hmm. white would have been fine but i mean it works i like it. i like
0: the yellow chin strap to be honest i think it looks clean it, it because it, the helmet's it white
1: it does still look clean the white would have looked good but the yellow still does
0: look. Clean. i think it works because the helmet's white it's like still a pop of color around where the bottom like the base is color so it works in that sense I I love that helmet. The logo's sick, too.
1: I'd like for the actual, like, chin holder thing I'm about. I don't even know what you call that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) please somebody tell me what you call that part of the chin strap. Facts. If that was blue, that would be nice. So it had the base blue with the yellow straps coming out of it, that'd be nice.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Um This one's a late submission. Came in about 37 minutes ago. Shout out to uh, Mr. Uh, John Galloway. I'm going with Jacksonville. Those things are simple. They're clean. The Duval mission on the back with the bridge and everything. Jacksonville looks super clean. Those helmets are going to look really nice on the field down in Jacksonville. So, Shout out Duval Nation. I'm taking Jacksonville number four. My DJ, number are th- number 4. My number 4
1: is probably going to be the smallest college we put out. But these these buckets are gas. Uh and I'm probably going to screw the name up. Sueni Sueni College.
0: I didn't even see those ones. Oh. Bro. When's when's the tweet from?
1: Let's see. Uh 4 days ago.
0: So that would be the 16th. Okay.
1: They got, they got they got base black with purple on the chin strap, gold uh gold face mask. Oh the
0: tigers. I didn't know they yeah. were a college. I didn't know yeah. if that was a college or not.
1: I had I had to look it up real quick to see if they were a college. Oh, that's a it's, good one. it's a liberal arts college down in uh Tennessee. Oh. And they got they got Tigers in the script with the gold and then yep. the, the gold chrome with the purple S and then you're gonna win this
0: one you're gonna win because i didn't know that was a college so i like completely like removed it from my brain
1: oh yeah that one was gas dog i (sighs) like that one a lot
0: that's a bummer that's a that's a that's a bad job by me bad job by me number five now now i gotta see if there's anything oh i got it i got it i got it i got the late submission i got the late submission This is Mm -hmm. this has gotta be the official one right here, right? Yeah, it's gotta be. Did you see University of Denver? No. Oh my goodness, bro. Oh my goodness. I'm saving this picture and sharing it. I I gotta believe this is Denver. This is a random submission. Yeah, it's it's uh Yeah, it's gotta be. This has got to be the official Denver University helmets. And if it's not, I apologize to the people, but. Look at this. Oh. (laughs) That's my number five, Denver.
1: I've seen those before. Those are gas. I feel like they had those last year, too. I don't know if they were exactly like that, but they are very similar. Those are
0: beautiful. Those are beautiful.
1: That, might that will probably win you a few style points back with Diggs. He absolutely loves the bird.
0: Yeah, that one, that's a clean helmet. Like the red, the gold on the mountains and everything, that's but, a clean lid.
1: But like you said, I'm probably going to win this one. My number probably five are. is probably also going to win some style points. This one also a bird. But it's so clean. White and navy blue. Looks so good together. Oh boy, gonna have to go with Wingate.
0: When was that tweet? A day ago. Okay, I'm scrolling. Just to take a look.
1: They're white burns, with a uh, blue down the down the middle, and then block W on one side and number on the other. Very basic, very clean. And then they took pictures in like snowy turf or like white turf, so it played off the helmet well. <laughs>
0: Why am I not seeing this one?
1: It was posted by Warrior LaCrosse.
0: Okay. I'll have to look at their Twitter. I was, like, looking at Diggs' timeline because he had most of them. that he quote-tweeted with grades. Uh, let's see. Warrior. One day ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are nice.
1: It's just, like, the, the base... The... They're so basic and clean that they look that
0: good. Yeah, those are really nice. And I like that we have an eclectic group of colleges in this mm-hmm. as well. Like, it's not just all these big name schools and everything. Like, sure, we have Maryland, we have High Point, we have Denver, but there's a lot of like lower name schools, a lot of MCLA schools. Like, I like that. So to recap, I have Maryland's Blackout, Arkansas, Pitts Yellow, Jacksonville, and Denver. Uh, DJ's got High Point, Richmond, uh, UC Santa Barbara, uh, and, e and Wingate. So we'll have the graphic up. We'll let the people determine. But that is our Colin Squires top five college buckets. And I'm sure we'll have more college bucket discussion throughout the college season. Because it's right around the corner, DJ, believe it or not. Right around the corner, we got college stuff to talk about. And I know you're over the moon for that.
1: I'm so excited. Like college is what got me into the game. Like I think I've told you like the first time I saw across in like the eighth grade, like stumbling across on ESPN, watching college guys. I literally had no clue what was going on. I couldn't <laughs> tell you who was out there, how many people were out there, what the field looked like, where the ball was, nothing. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then obviously getting into it in high school, I watched college. The first championship game I sat down and watched was that 2016 between North Carolina and Maryland. That is Crazy. when I like completely fell in love with the cross. Like I got a special special love in my heart for college across, for sure.
0: Yeah, so DJ's going to be taking the helm on all of our college coverage, so get ready, get set. Uh, but we got pro stuff to talk about in the field game uh, as the period for for moves and transactions has opened uh in the pll and uh it started off with a bang because we have a trade to assess top bins top tier commentary top drawer upper 90 you already know you it's more of a already no I think that's we, how it we always goes. like 45 days. minutes, and we are at like Chelsea. Now. <laughs> what about? are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Kassier. and we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. And that is the Andrew Q Jake Fricaro trade. Uh, as Jake Fricaro was acquired by Cannons uh, in exchange for Andrew Q and the Cannons 2023 third round pick. And there is a stipulation on this, DJ, which was not in any tweets, I think. This is on the website from Keegs. If Cannons appear in the 2022 championship, the third round pick is vests into a second round pick. Okay. So if Cannons gets to the championship, Chaos gets a second round pick in the 2023 college draft, along with Andrew Q. Cannons received Jake Fricaro, no draft pick. Let's talk about it because you, you sent it to me. I woke up from a nap and was like, what is going on? Didn't even realize the window opened for, for transactions and everything. I also love that, like the PLL is eerily similar to like soccer in terms of like transfer window stuff and like all these moves can happen during certain windows, um, which makes me like want to get into soccer. But I know I'm way too far out, so I just let Matt and Dom do that, and I get to li- live in that realm with with lacrosse, which is why we need relegation in the PLL. But Andrew Q going to chaos, I think, is a huge addition for just the the canadian aspect of the offense that andy towers is running you add andrew Q's skill set which you even said when you watched andrew q for the first time in the nll you were like oh he's good in the pll but that boy knows how to run the nll game like no other to add him into this offense with the chaotic bandits i think is only going to elevate his field level of talent to another level and, I mean, we were going through it uh, before we started recording. We look at Chaos's offense right now. It is stacked just in terms of the attack. Men. We look at their roster. Their attack on their roster is Chris Coluche, Mac O'Keefe, Wes Berg, Josh Byrne, Andrew Q, Ryan Smith, Curtis Dixon, and Chase Frazier. I feel like a lot of people are forgetting that Curtis Dixon didn't play last year and is still part of this team. And you look at their attack group outside of Curtis. Everybody's still in their twenties, like they're early to mid twenties. You add Andrew Q into the mix. I think this is a huge win. You can play Q in the kind of that hybrid Jules Henningberg attackman midfield role if you want to. Q's going to be lethal, I think, with Josh Byrne around him. I think this is a massive pickup for Andy Towers, especially getting the draft pick as well. I think this is a huge win for him. We got to get AT on soon to talk about this trade and Sean Quirk as well. um, Both friends of the program. But you and I had different initial takes on this trade where I was like, wow, that's a steal for chaos. And you were like, I think that's a win for cannons. So I want you to like just express like what you took from the trade and why you think cannons got a steal getting Jake and then. Obviously, I just went on a tangent why I think Andrew Q is a huge win for Chaos, plus getting a third-round pick that could vest into a second-round pick is huge for Andy Towers because he loves to have like those draft picks in his back pocket that he can either stash those players away, trade the draft picks during the season, whatever it may be. Uh, but I think we both agree that Jake Fricaro going to Cannons is a win for him, and it makes sense with Paul Rabel's retirement.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, you know, on Twitter, some people probably saw, like, he fit, that's a slot for him to literally slide right in, and their offense moves seamlessly. Like, he has a very similar play style to PR99, so they're not really worried about, like, how he's going to play. They know what he's going to come in and do. Now he just has to come in and do it. It's set up for him to go and be successful. They just have to get a few more pieces to surround what will be their starting six. That's the canon's problem. I think that they went out and addressed their main concern for right now. And now they can focus on another concern when it comes draft time or, you know, later on in these transactions. But they've addressed their main concern and can now move on and handle other things. And on the other side, it was just more so I had so many questions on how do you now manage this roster? You know, you have – you know, the defense is f- pretty much figured out. It could take another defenseman to work in a rotation of some sort or whatever they want to do down there. But honestly, that's pretty figured out. So is the transition slash midfield, whatever you want to call them. But offensively, like, from top to bottom, every guy can go out and pretty much do what every other guy can do. And it, they ran into it last year with Tanner Cook, Ryan Smith, and KJ. Like, they were consistently bouncing between the active roster and – the reserve list or whatever list they were on with, you know, they weren't playing. And it's how do you do that now? Who, who, how do you determine who's going to be on the active roster that week? And then how does that mess with a guy's mojo and, and, you know, his flow of play and the offense's flow of play? If you're constantly, you know, you're switching out one week, Andrew Q is in, the next week, he's out and you got Tanner Cook out there. But then the next week, you take him out and KJ's out there. Or, you know, you take Chris Cloutier out and you leave KJ and add Andrew Q. Like, there's so many different possibilities with the active roster that it could mess with the flow of how Mm -hmm. the offense runs. I'm just more so – I'm not necessarily – I don't think it's a loss for them. I think it's a gain 100% just because of his skill set and the way they play and how he can can fit into the offense. My concern is more so of how do you manage the roster, make sure everybody's happy, make sure everybody's – you know, contributing when they could because it just reminds me of a fantasy roster. Right. You know, he's got a starting squad and he's got a bench, but how do you decide what matchup is the best and is going to give you the best production? And when are you going to go? Oh man, I had Andrew Q on the bench for KJ when Q would have been the better option this week. Like, when does that happen, or how many times does that happen this year?
0: And I have a tinfoil hat theory that just came into my mind as I read Keeg's it's kind of like breakdown of everything here on the PLL website. Uh, so he wrote this here about Jake Fricaro going to Cannons. Uh, he said a change of scenery for Jake Fercaro was inevitable. He'd been a healthy scratch since August 1st. Chaos clicked with Ryan Smith and Westberg on the right side, going all in on a box on a field offense, left for Caro and then and Sergio Salcido, and Connor Fields, and Miles Jones before him, out of the lineup. Uh, Jake is a throwback two-handed midfielder. I don't know if you saw this or not, so I'm going to try to quiz you and see if you if you know the answer to this. Since twenty fifteen, uh only nine players have hit a two pointer with each hand. Did I you did see the players? See. I did Paul Rabel, Kyle Harrison, Joe Lacasio, Peter Baum, Ryan Brown, John Rannigan, Steven Brooks, John Glessner, and Jake Fricaro. Um but so only I mean
1: one player has hit a two pointer with both the stick and a long stick. Shout out <laughs> shout out champion
0: uh, so, I mean, he can be on that offensive end with Lyle and Steven Reefus, or, you know, he'll plug into the offensive scheme with Sean Kirwin, uh, the offensive coordinator for Cannons. And a quote from Sean Quirk, you know, he said, I've always been a big fan of Jake Fricaro. I followed his career closely at Villanova, which they now have him and uh, Christian Cuccinello, who played at Villanova on this roster. Uh, he said he's a gritty two-way midfielder, especially with Paul retiring. We need a player like Jake. Um, so, I mean, makes sense that, and, you know, uh, Keegs also wrote that a two-way, that two-way versatility could be an X factor in 2022 if Jake Fercaro plays an Ian McKay-esque role for the Cannons, which I could also see with his lethal two-point shooting ability and then him being able to get back on defense. Um, that'll be interesting to see. And then he wrote about Andrew Q here, and he said Q dominated in the MLL in 2020, but he had trouble finding time alongside Shane Jackson with the Cannons. Now he'll be competing for a spot on Chaos's crowded lefty side. Josh Byrne, Mac O'Keefe, Chris Cluque, Kyle Jackson, Tanner Cook, and Q all bring different skill sets to the left side. Q mostly used as an interior finisher in 2021, can make plays as an initiator. Uh, and then obviously he has that backhanded shot that can, you know, draw double, triple teams. Um, Andy Towers uh, found a scheme that works, two- and three-man games on the wings, Uh, and then he says, Andy Towers says, quote, we have guys who are out there who are quote-unquote attackmen and quote-unquote midfielders, so to speak, but the way we really structure our eight offensive players going into games is, okay, who are our four righties and who are our four lefties? Uh, And on the right-hand side, Recently activated from the unavailable-to-travel list, Curtis Dixon and John Rogers. They'll join Dane Smith, Chase Frazier, Westberg, and Ryan Smith. Uh, And then Andy Tower says, we've created a left-handed army as well as a right-handed army on the other side, and that's our goal. Try to acquire the best players that fit our scheme uh, in the best way. Tinfoil hat theory, everybody. Put your tinfoil hats on. Let's strap in real quick. Keegan writing, saying that he's going to be competing, that being Andrew Q, for a spot on this chaos left-hand side. Tinfoil hat theory. Did Andy Towers just buy a draft pick by trading Jake Fercaro? Is Andrew Q even going to make this roster? Because let's not forget, Andrew Q was picked up by Redwoods and then immediately traded to Cannons during the offseason when he came over from the MLL. I think a lot of people forget about that like q wasn't drafted by cannons he was traded for when he signed with redwoods and then was immediately shipped to cannons for a draft pick did andy towers just buy a third round pick that could vest into a second round pick in
1: 2023 no he fits into the offense way too well
0: which is why i think it's also like a low-key like he could have bought it to like be like hey here's andrew q We'll show him off in training camp and everything. And if somebody needs a guy, we can trade Andrew Q now and go get more draft picks or go get a player to fit where we need.
1: It may be. I think it may come at the end of the year.
0: Or he mid-season.
1: It may, may play spotty throughout the year, and then at the end of the year, they're like, all right, see ya.
0: Because that offense is way too – there's too many guys. Yeah. And not that that's a problem – But when you only have 19 guys active on game day, like you were saying, how is that going to affect the flow of guys with Curtis Dixon coming back? And we saw how fucking good Curtis Dixon was in this offense in 2020 in the bubble. And now you add a guy who has chemistry with, Westberg, when they played together in Calgary in the NLL, along with the Bandits guys, along with Ryan Smith, along with Tanner Cook, along with KJ47. It's a lot of mouths to feed. And I don't know. Tinfoil hat theory, I'm going to put it out there, that Andy Towers might have just bought a draft pick. Getting rid of a guy who doesn't fit their system now with Jake Fricaro. Getting future you know, maneuverability with a, a third-round pick that could become a second-round pick. Who knows if Cannons are going to make the championship game or not. I think it's a long shot. But either way, it's still a third-round pick. And we saw what the third round was this year. As you wear a Coming into the... Yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to celebrate the the situ- It's Chris Hogan jersey. Come on. Uh, I mean, we saw what the third round was in the 2021 entry draft. A lot of contributors there. And, I mean, you look at what Andy Towers did in the third round of the 2021 draft. He drafted Bernhardt. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not afraid to have, like, third and fourth round picks that he uses to stash guys that could potentially play later on. But if they don't, cool, we just punted a pick, whatever. I the mean, more and more I think about this, the more and more I feel like Andy Andy Towers bought a draft pick.
1: It's, it's a, it's a good theory. I I just don't. Think, I think
0: it's, just, it's Andy Towers esque. Like, it it's something Andy Towers would do.
1: It is, but I just think that if Andrew Q is going to play in this league for now, chaos is his best opportunity. That's the best offensive.
0: Mm-hmm. No one I think really- it's either them or water ducks. I think he would fit into the Water Dogs' offense too, with all the Canadian guys there.
1: I'm more so on the Archer side. They they like to run a little bit of a two-man game, and he could he can work some left-handed magic with Connor. That would be very fun to watch. And I, I I can't say that would be extremely fun to watch.
0: So there have been a lot of moves made as well. There's going to be a lot to pay attention to with that trade. That trade, I feel like there's more parts that are going to be coming to that trade. Um, The transaction wire has been fully rocking and rolling. Obviously, we had Kevin Unterstein retire. Um, Nick Manis was sent to the player pool from Whipstakes. Tommy Palasek was sent to the player pool from Chrome. Kyle Gallagher was sent to the player pool from Chaos. TD Irland activated off of the injured list for Redwoods. Activated off the unavailable-to-travel list are the following players. Jesse King for Chrome, Curtis Dixon, and Challen Rogers for Chaos. Brian Cole for Whipsnakes. Activated off the Pup list, DJ. My guy. Probably our guy, but definitely my guy. JT Giles-Harris. Activated off the Pup list for Chrome. Paul Rabel officially placed on the retired list. Uh, Mike Manley went from... Chrome's active roster to the injured list. Don't know how you get injured on your day off, but hopefully Mike Manley's okay. Here's an interesting one. I want to get your opinion on this because I feel like this could be a nice little move for the Cannons in the offseason. Attackman, Miles Thompson, placed from the unavailable to travel list for Chaos to the player pool. If I'm Sean Quirk, and Miles is ready to play, because obviously he hasn't played since 2019, I'm signing him up to come play with his brother.
1: Yeah, but which... So who do you move to run the hybrid Jules-type midfielder position out of your attack group?
0: Because, I mean, their attack group right now, we talked about this before we started recording too, is a little light in terms of just depth. Right now, their attack group is... Lyle, Ryan Drenner, Shane Jackson, Christian Cuccinello, Nate Solomon. I would add Miles Thompson to that list immediately and have six deep up top. You have Steven is playing that hybrid midfield attackman position, however you want to play him. And he's probably going to play more of a midfield role now that Paul Rabel's retired too. And then you have Jamie Trimboli, Tim Edwards, Connor Busick, Jake Fercaro in that midfield. I feel like it's a no-brainer move if you're Sean Quirk to even just have him on the roster for training camp if he's ready to play, to have the Thompson brothers on the same roster.
1: Yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. You can't not start Miles. So your attack instantly becomes... I
0: mean, alive. you can. No, no. <laughs> Andy no, Towers like, did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like... No. Especially when he's with his brother. Like, no. Like,
0: I mean, you can dress for attackmen.
1: Yeah, but like... You're going to send one of them through midfield. So who? You're going to start Lyle and Miles together. nine times, Like, literally nine and a half times out of ten, you're probably going to start them together. So um... who takes the last attack spot? I would assume Shane, just because off the of sides, but Drenner doesn't really play well at midfield. He wasn't as productive at midfield as he was when he got switched down to attack when they moved Q off the line. Like,
0: I mean, I'm still uh, just as a a depth piece, too. Just to like, like cause obviously, because I'm even saying it just because Miles hasn't played since 2019 because he didn't or, play in the bubble and or you, didn't play last year.
1: Or do you start Miles at attack and then when the set comes, you move him up and run him from the field? I would do that. And then just run Jenner down at attack when he's mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah, I, I would do that. So an attack would be Lyle, Miles, and Shane, and then Drenner would come on with the start.
0: Yeah, and kind of have Drenner and, and Miles kind of interchange, or they even play Shane. You can play, Shane. You could play Shane in that same spot too, because of his NOL background.
1: Yeah, and do a little two man and, and get the switch going off of that. If something if something isn't there right away, so I mean,
0: just for a semantics reason too, though
1: I, I don't I don't hate it. I don't,
0: I, I, don't I, would I would be calling Miles, being like, "Hey, are you ready to play?" Because obviously he's been out since 2019 with with COVID and not playing. He's obviously not playing this NLL season as of right now. Um, But I'd be calling Miles and being like, yo, let's rock and roll. Uh, Dalton Cross in, placed in the player pool from chaos. And then uh, Michael Krause placed on the holdout list for the Water Dogs, And then the big one that everybody has speculated. Everyone's talked about. Is he coming back? Well, everybody, hit the bat signal. Ty Warner's back. He has officially been activated off of the holdout list and is on the Whipsnakes active roster. And man, oh man, what a boost for this Whipsnakes team to get Ty Warner back. I'm just so excited that we're going to be able to see Ty Warner play lacrosse again. We weren't sure. We didn't know what was gonna happen with Ty. Obviously going to medical school and what an absolute legend for doing what he's been able to do. Um Ty Warner being pack is huge for whip snakes.
1: Ty Dubson. I love Ty Dubson. I like I like, I like I that you. nickname. <laughs> <laughs> like I told you before before recording, like give him the hard hat right now. Give it to him. Like I mean, he's gonna be that guy is going to come in and put the whip snakes right back where I don't want them to be, at the top of the league. They're going to be a definite championship contender with them. Like, they were already almost there last year without him, but he's just that guy that – he's one of – I shouldn't say one of the few, but he's the only short stick defensive midfielder right now that I feel 100% can go on an island and I wouldn't be worried at all.
0: I and it's play. it's so fun that ty's coming back and we talked about this on the twitter spaces during the pll top 50. the short stick d midi position is in such a revolutionary period right now with all the young talent that are like changing that position for the better and making it such an athletic position and now you bring ty warner back into that mix and ty's gonna be able to learn how these guys have been able to play over the last year that's so exciting for ty's game and it's so exciting for the position And, like, I feel like I'm going to be paying attention to the short-stick d midi position more than ever this year after what we saw from the position last year and how competitive it was for that award, how just dynamic the position was across the board with all eight teams. The short-stick d midi position is going to be, like, the thing to watch this year in the PLL. And Ty Warner being back is just so good for the league.
1: Well, you know, that's... One of those places that we differ, you know, I played, so I understand a little bit more about positioning. Everybody hears me rag. My number one thing is special teams, face-off and, and goalie. They're, mm-hmm. One, they never get blamed because they go out and they work the hardest and they do what they can. It's not their fault, and they're they're the most important. If you're face-off guy and your goalie either yeah. one of them has a bad I love face-offs. Game. If either one of them has a bad game, you're probably not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just how that goes. Um, and then number two right behind that is – short-stick D mids because they get picked on over and over and over. They work the offense to attack short-stick D mids. Then if that doesn't work, they move on and attack to attack. But, like, so to be as good as Ty Warner is, like I was saying, I could play pole behind Ty Warner, and if he's out on the island, I could turn my back and know I just got to lock my guy off because he's probably going to try and throw it here. You know, he's just that kind of guy, and then to know that he's going to be able to build off of that skill set, like you said, with – the extended uh, offensive game off of the transition and uh, just kind of the other things that they've done off of face-off and stuff recently with the position. I'm excited for where he's going to take the position because when he builds off of that, it's going to boost up again.
0: You know I'm going to do it to you for what you just said. Oh, I'm sure. Ty Warner, he's an island boy. (laughs) He helps a face-off, yeah. I put my hard hat on.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Ty Dub signed all the way.
0: The Island Boys featuring Ty Dub signed. <laughs> uh, so we are officially in the first offseason waiver window that opened on Tuesday. It will close the week of the college draft, which is to be determined which I assume is going to be sometime in, like, April, um, which it normally is. Then we'll have the second off-season waiver window, which will open after the college draft and will close on Friday, May 13th. Ooh, Friday the 13th. And then the in-season waiver window will open from Monday, June 6th through the regular season. Um, And then just a little refresher for people, too. The reserve roster claims a player that has been on a club's reserve roster for three consecutive games – may be claimed by another club. We saw that with Kyle Thornton from Chaos going to Redwoods this year. Uh, the claiming club must immediately place the player on its restricted or active roster, and the player must remain on the claiming club's reserve roster for at least one game. Um, so, I mean, we are in full-blown X Games mode now for the PLL offseason, this first waiver period. Uh, and the offseason trade window will close on Friday, May 13th. Um, So trades can happen from now until Friday, May 13th, and then the in-season trade window will open Monday, June 6th through the regular season. Um, So we got a whole lot to look forward to with the PLL. Ty Warner is back. Welcome back to the league. And uh, any final thoughts, DJ? We had a, a nice little episode here tonight. I'm just excited for where the cross is going.
1: I mean... I know picking up, it's the middle of the season. College is getting back out on uh, in practices, a few scrimmages coming up. I'm I might drive down for that Notre Dame scrimmage. It's coming up. South Bend isn't too far, so I might go pop in for that. I'm really excited for the college game and then obviously PL is gonna take us home for the year. So
0: Yeah, we got Let's a lot planned and uh, we both got the notifications. Our tops cards have shipped, so we will have another box opening. Uh, in the near future so stay tuned to the social medias for that that's why you gotta follow us on twitter and instagram at otb pod follow dj on twitter at scs underscore next great follow me at KBIZZL 311 check out the website underground for all of our written content and subscribe 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 to the podcast feed if it's apple podcast leave those five star ratings and reviews let us know how you're feeling about the nll so far Tell us how you feel about our, our Colin Squires top five college buckets. Uh, who do you think had the best list? Assess the Andrew Q, Jake Fricaro trade for us. Give us your thoughts, your opinions. Do you think our tinfoil hat theory is wild, or do you think it could be on point? Did Andy Towers buy a draft pick uh, by trading Jake Fricaro to Cannons? And, of course, let us know your excitement levels for Ty Warner being back in the Apple Podcast Reviews. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do, too. We know they're five stars. And, of course, leave those five-star ratings on Spotify. Blow up our Spotify ratings with five stars. Uh, It really helps and goes a long way for more and more people to find the show and uh, just boost that algorithm for us and really helps us out. And a big thank you to our sponsors, the boys over at Tomahawk Shades. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, use our promo code USP. At checkout, you get 25% off your entire order at Tomahawkshades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs, the surfside iced teas, all that good stuff at statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And the boys over at Kenwood Beer. Go to kenwoodbeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Load up for this Wild Wings weekend. Uh, you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been another episode, episode number 205, to be exact, of the allegedly award-nominated Outside the Box podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ, I'm KB. And until next week, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.